0: 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. You didn't bring a Bible today. We have it on the screen for you to borrow. It says, so all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. All of us. In other words, all of us who have been saved had that veil removed. You know you used to walk in darkness. You didn't know any better, Right? You were walking around blinded by your own sin. But God removed that veil so that you could see. Your eyes were open. I was, once was blind, but now I see. Right? And now I've had that veil removed so that I can reflect the glory of the Lord. Now, once again, you're probably thinking, I don't think I reflect much glory of the Lord. You're thinking about yourself again, it's not your reflection. It's the glory of the Lord that you're allowing to be reflected in your life. And the Lord who is the Spirit makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. Gooder and gooder. That's my saying, right? He's making us gooder and gooder. He's doing more and more, line upon line, precept upon precept, from glory to glory. He's taking us somewhere so that we can be changed into his glorious image. That sounds like a plan. Sounds like something we should get with, right? That's God's intention for you, for you to not just sit in neutral as a Christian, but to be moving forward, to be more more. You can't sit in neutral as a Christian. You'll be sliding back. You can't rest. This life is about moving forward. You have to keep putting one foot in front of the other. I bet we all know somebody who had that obnoxious friend that used to go to high school with or had earlier in your life. You you can't take them anywhere, right? You go to the club or something, they drink too much and they're going to fight somebody. They're going to get into it you know if you're going to hang out with them, they're going to be trouble, right? Some of you saying, that was me. <laughs> <laughs> and you can't talk to them. You're like, dude, could you chill out? Could we go out tonight and not get in trouble? Could, could we go, go here with you not, you not getting into it with anybody? But well, what do they say? Dude, that's just the way I am. That's just the way I am. There's a man who got a temper with his wife. May be verbally abusive. May be physically abusive. You try to talk to him. That's not God's way. You're not supposed to do that. You're supposed to be her protector, not her adversary. Dude, she gets in my face, man. I can't take it. That's just the way I am. Well, I bet if she was as big and strong as you are, you'd learn to take it. She will whoop you. (laughs) I bet you won't get up my face and say that. (laughs) Did I say that out loud? (laughs) But that's just the way I am. The world's biggest excuse. When you say, that's just the way I am, that's not a fact. That's an excuse. And you need to stop saying that. And I know that all of us in here at one time or another... Maybe every day we're tempted to say, that's just the way I am. I can't help it. That's saying you can't help it. When, when the Bible says we're supposed to be growing more and more like him and reflecting his glorious image, but we're saying, well, I'm just stuck here. That's just the way I am. If you wanted to cling to that mindset, then you shouldn't have got saved. You shouldn't have said, Jesus be Lord, because he's not going to let you stay. That's just the way I am. A couple of years ago, I had a root canal, and now that we got Google, I was Googling what a root canal is, what does that mean, what are and I started seeing these articles that said that root canal, this article was saying you shouldn't get a root canal, you should get the tooth pulled and replaced, because they were saying that leaving anything dead in your body is bad. Even if you clean out all the insides, the living part of the tooth, you still got that uh, bone left that has no life in it. And they say that they can cause toxins to get in your bloodstream. And and people with, has have root canals tend to have a lot of other health problems because that tooth is causing things going on behind the scene that they don't know about. Is that true? I don't know. I'm not a medical doctor. I just was somebody's opinion. But I do know this. If your hand is dead, it's going to turn green, <laughs> And it's going to begin to shoot poison over the rest of your body. Is that right? We don't want to keep dead things in our life. Deadness must be cut off, or it will poison the rest of us. A little leaven leaveth the whole lump. If you got a little deadness in your body, that's not good because it's going to begin to affect the rest of you. We can't be clinging to ungodly ways and dragging death around with us. This ain't Weekend at Bernie's. (laughs) Some of y'all know that movie. (laughs) I mean, when we were buried with Christ in baptism, we went under, we left that dead man in the grave. We came up a new creation. We can't drag that old man out of the baptismal, and be dragging him through our Christian existence. We got to let him go. You let go so that you can move forward in your Christian walk. Speaking of walks, I took a walk earlier this week. Sometimes I go out the back door and I'll go down the end of the church here and get up on that road back there, and I'll just walk up and down praying, you know. And it's a good place to walk. Nice weather this week before the storms came in. And I walked all the way down to the end, and I was coming back. And I looked, and there was this big old possum on the road. It looked like it got run over, right? Looked at it, and kept on walking. Walked all the way down the road, came back around. The second time I got to that possum, I don't know why. I was down there by myself just praying. I said, you've been playing dead a long time. <laughs> Look, at, you got the little blood coming out your nose. It look, you really look convincing. you playing. This possum been playing dead a long time. Today's message is stop playing possum. I know you got the little blood coming out your nose. You got all these excuses you got ran over growing up. I know, right? But you got a new master now. You got a new life. It's time to stop playing possum. Turn to 1 Corinthians 6. Go back a chapter to 1 Corinthians 6. Look at your neighbor and say, stop playing possum. dragging dead things around with you, pretending to be dead. You ain't dead anymore. (laughs) All right, 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9. Don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin or who worship idols or who commit adultery or are male prostitutes or practice homosexuality or are thieves or greedy people or drunkards or abusive or cheat people, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. None of these will have an inheritance. None of these will begin to see the good things in the kingdom of God. You won't get the good things of the kingdom of God acting like that. It says some of you were once like that. But you were cleansed. You were once like that. But when Jesus came in, you were cleansed. You were made holy holy. That's a big word. I I don't feel holy. Well you're holy in God's eyes because God sees yesterday, today, and tomorrow all the same. You know it's all the same to him. He sees the finished version of you and when he sees you, he sees you through the blood of Jesus. You're holy right now. For all practical reasons, positionally now you're seated with Christ in heavenly places already. You are holy. Of course there's some friction about Where we are practically and where we are positionally. We're temporarily growing more holy in this walk down here by a process called sanctification. That's a big old Christian word. Get sanctified, get chicken fried, get sanctified. Sanctification is just, just means when you gave your heart to Jesus, the bar is up here. That's, who, where, you, that's where you really are positionally, but you still got your ways. You still you got a long way to go to, to r- rise to the level that God has made you. And so that begins the process of sanctification. God sets the bar high at holy, and he says, Be ye holy, for I am holy. And so during the sanctification process, you begin that today, you get born again, and it doesn't end until Jesus comes back and makes you holy. He comes back for you, and you see him, and then you begin to be, then you are like him. All right, so it says you were made holy, you were made right with God. How? Only one way to do that, by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. You say. Because I'm. I'm free. I've been saved. And where there is the spirit of the Lord is. There is liberty. You say I'm allowed to do anything. But not everything is good for you. And even though I am allowed. To do anything. I must not become a slave. To anything. And how many of You know. That sin is a hard task, Master. The wages of sin is death. It, you were once a slave to sin. You don't want to st- remain a slave to sin now that you've been set free. You've been set free to be holy. Well, that's good preaching. Amen, Pastor God. <laughs> Last week we talked about King Saul. How king, God made him king but he never rose to the level that God intended for his life to be because he was a a compromiser. He wanted to keep up the appearances of being a God chaser, but he would only do God's will to the point where he wanted to and then he'd let his flesh take over and he would make excuses and stuff. And then he would do wrong things, but he wouldn't apologize to God. He would run from God. Samuel, Samuel, you go tell God I'm sorry. Stole, stole all those animals God said to, to destroy. Samuel had to come and tell him, God told you. He says, well, I'm going to sacrifice them. God says obedience is better than sacrifice. You need to be obedient first, all right? Then you make your sacrifice, just like you tithe before you give your offerings. And so King Saul would make mistakes, but he wouldn't admit them. He wouldn't. He wasn't on the sanctification. He wasn't with the process. He says, I got, you know, God made me king and that's all I need. But God took his kingship away. Because he wasn't, wouldn't be obedient and learn from his mistakes. We talked about David. David came in. David made all kind of mistakes as king. Terrible mistakes. But because he would keep running to God. He kept telling God he's sorry. God, I know my flesh, there's no good thing in my flesh. I just keep messing up, God. But I'm sorry. I'm sorry, God, help me. Create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me, God. Help me, Jesus. He had that relationship with God. He really, deep down, wanted to please God. And that's where we need to get. And some of us believe we can hide things from God, but you can't hide anything from God. God hears the luring of those cattle. He knows everything. There's no place that you can go to hide from God. Jesus was talking with that woman at the well in John chapter 4. And she was all up at his talking, you know. And, well, yeah, well, what are you even talking to me for? You know, and she had a little attitude. And then finally Jesus says, well, go get your husband. And she's, she says, well, I ain't got a husband. He said, you so said right. Because you've had five husbands. And the one you're with now ain't even your husband. The one you're living with. How did Jesus know that? Because you can't hide anything from God. He's all knowing, all seeing. Well, she acted, she acted a little bit better after that. <laughs> And if some of us would get a realization that you're grieving the Holy Spirit in you when you're sinning and when you're running from God and when you're doing your own thing and you're not on the sanctification process, you're not making important in your life the things that are important to God, then you need to get serious. You need a, a repentant heart. You need to stay humble before God so that He can do something with your life. If I were to ask every one of you personally, do you want your life to count, you would say yes. And I'm telling you the way to make your life count. You tried to make your life count without God. Didn't happen. He said, without me, you can do nothing. The only significance in your life is the Spirit of God on the inside of you. With Christ, I can do All things. Turn to 2 Corinthians 5.14. Reading it out of the New Living Translation, it says, Either way, Christ's love controls us. Or it should. I mean, it's not like we're serving Sin, a hard taskmaster, we're serving God who, who died on the cross for us. When we see his love, how, how would we not want, why would we not want him to control our thoughts and our actions and our deeds and the way and the direction of our life? Why would we not trust him with everything? Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. In other words, your human desires, your old desires. Instead, they will live for Christ, who died for them and was raised for them. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. We saw him, oh, that's just the carpenter's son. That's just Mary's boy. We saw him from a human point of view. Then we saw him raised from the dead. And we're like, whoa, what? He is the son of God. And then we once saw ourselves, and we once saw each other from a human point of view. But then we gave our heart to Jesus, and we were resurrected from the dead. What? What? And we don't see each other from a merely human point of view anymore. We shouldn't see our lives as from a merely human point of view. We should see ourselves as sons of God. Daughters of God. We gotta get a different perspective building in our hearts. Stop saying that's just the way I am. That's just the way you was. One time we thought of Christ from merely a human point of view, but how differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. Say a new person. person. Something that never existed before. A new person. The old life is gone, and the new life has begun. I'm ready to get that new life going, ain't you? I want all of this new life that I can have. Be ye holy as I am holy. That means consecrated, dedicated. That doesn't mean you're perfect. That means you're consecrated. That means consecrated means set apart for the work of God. Dedicated to the work of God. How do we become holy? Well, you're positionally holy. How do we live holy lives while we're down here? Because we're going to be judged by at the judgment seat of Christ, according to the way we lived. And you're going to get your rewards in heaven according to the way you live. As Christians. Now, if you're, not, if you're not saved, you're going to have a different judgment. We ain't going to go there right now. But as Christians, it does matter how we live our lives. We should be living holy. Consecrated to the work of God. Dedicated to His uh, things. I wrote down seven ways, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on each one, and there's probably a thousand ways, but these are just seven that came to me. Number one, get sanctified. Get with the process. Begin to see your life as being on a a continual improvement program. Okay, so you had a good week. Build on that and have a better week next week. Okay, so you failed this week. Okay, you went back to some things. Repent and get back up and do better tomorrow. You continue this process of of staying as close as you can to God, walking with Him during this sanctification process. It gets easier and easier. You look back five years from now and you say, what in the world happened to me? Who am I? And your friends are saying, I don't know who that is. They're not the same. The Spirit of God has worked in your life. And God will always be dealing with you about what's next. I don't care if you've been serving Him for 55 years, as hard as you can. On year 56 or 55, whatever's next, whatever I said, whatever's next, that year He's going to be working with you on something new. Because that bar is so high, we're not going to be able to attain it until until He makes us like that. And we're dealing with, man, down here it's one situation after another. This is the valley of the shadow of death down here. It's hard down here. You're running into situations you hadn't faced before. Well, how do I face this situation as a Christian? By the Spirit of God. By trusting God. Staying with the program. Stay on the potter's wheel. Let the potter keep his hands in your life and stop running from everything that's not... uh, Comfortable in your life. I know as a Christian that, Lord, please, don't let anything happen to my family. Lord, please, don't let anything happen to my finances. Lord, please, don't let anything happen to my TV. Lord, please, let my, my lounge chair be good. Lord, please, let my, my wife bring me that, them chips and dip. Lord, please. <laughs> our prayers are about comfort. And so then when something comes along and knocks us off of our easy chair... The temptation is to blame God. Well, I was trying to get with the program, and God knocked me off my lazy boy. You're not called a lazy boy. He's not calling you to be a lazy boy or a lazy girl. You know, you were supposed to count the cost before you gave your heart to Jesus. You know, any old fool can walk down that broad path that leads to destruction. That's the easy road. But you said, I want to take that straight and narrow. The one that leads to life. It's hard. That's the hard road. But I tell you, when, when tragedy hits your life, You're going to be glad that you're on that road and not on that broad road with no hope. That's number one, get sanctified. Number two, get serious about the word of God. I am befuddled, if that's a word, by the amount of people that confess to be Christians but won't read God's love letter to them, won't read the basic instructions before leaving earth, that... that, disregard the Word of God, and make all kind of excuses. Well, that's just the way I am. I don't read. That's just the way I am. I don't understand the King James. That's just the way I am. I can't afford a different version than the King James. I just don't read. I I, I just don't get it. That's just the way I am. We need to revere the Word of God and learn to obey it without question or excuse. The Word of God needs to be the roadmap for our lives. Number three, cooperate with the Holy Spirit. He is the change agent. He is the one that God sent to teach you all things. He's the one that's your comforter, your guide. He will bring to your remembrance everything that Jesus said to you and everything that Jesus wants to say to you. And some some of us run from the Holy Spirit. We believe in the Father and the Son, and that's it. We don't know nothing about that Holy Spirit. We've seen flakiness when the Holy Spirit's mentioned. I'm telling you, just because you don't understand spiritual things with your carnal mind, you need to get past that. You need to understand that you've got to have the Holy Spirit. He is the power of God. Ephesians four twenty two says, Throw off your old sinful nature and your formal way of life. That's what we're talking about. Which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit, and that's capitalized. That means the Holy Spirit. Let the Spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes. How many of you need some, some attitude adjustment? Yeah. Put on your new nature. Amen. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He ain't going to put it on you. You got to welcome him you got to put on your new nature. It's created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. The Holy Spirit is God's power to produce godliness in our life. That's number three. Number four, stop justifying your sins. Stop saying that. That's just the way I am. Proverbs 16.2 says, All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes. If you want to, you can justify anything you do. You can use the Bible too. You can take some scriptures out of context. See, God made marijuana. That's why I smoke it. <laughs> God did this. God did that. You, you're blaming God for all your sins. That's kind of weird. All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirit. He knows what's really in there. Commit your works to the Lord and your thoughts... Will be established. Hey. Start walking with Jesus. Start seeing the great commission. As your commission. I'm supposed to go into all the world. And make disciples. God has called me to be his ambassador. You get a realization. That God wants to use your life. Then your life will begin to count more to you. And it will change your thoughts. And your attitudes. And you'll get with the program. And the more time you spend with God. The more time you'll start to look like God. Number five, utilize the fivefold ministry gifts. Uh, In Ephesians chapter 4, it talks about that God has given the church, uh, evangelists, prophets, teachers, pastors, and apostles, and such, fivefold ministry gifts. And it says he gives it to the church to edify the body, to edify you as a member of the body of Christ. So that you can do the works of the ministry. So go to church. And get up under a a pastor who preaches the word of God. And let let that gift work in your life. Let the other gifts. If the evangelist comes through here. Evangelist, man, they're not worried about petting the sheep. They're worried about, you know, they may kick you in the boo honey. Some people get offended. Well, I'm not listening to that. That's a gift from God. Sometimes you need a kick. So keep coming to church and grow and do the work of the ministry. Number six, live for something greater than yourself. Self is a lonely road, self always implodes. If your life is all about your comfort, your, your wants, your desires, your, 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 me, 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 I, 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 like people this way. I don't like people that way. I won't sit over here. I never sit over there. I, 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 I. You're impossible. You're impossible to please. You'll never be happy. If it's all about you, you will never be happy. Live for something bigger than yourself. Get with God's plan. God's plan is others. And when you begin to serve, it's better to give than receive. That's a, that's a principle in life. If you will stop just wanting to receive all the time, about you, get outside of you and begin to live a life worth living when you're helping other people. Discipleship is what they call it. And just like you've got to learn to believe that you can change, This is not the way I'm always going to be. Believe the best about other people, too. You know people you're thinking, oh, my brother-in-law, that guy ain't never going to change. You can't talk to him. I don't even want to be around him. Well, just see it as a challenge. Let the Spirit of God use you to to water and see and and to, to... cultivate the word of god in their life and see if that word of god won't change them just like it did you how many people in here could say in high school they would have voted me least likely to succeed <laughs> if we were honest probably all of us thinking that but look at us now look where we come from and look what god has done in us and and, our, and people should begin to see the change and we need to believe change for other people as well we need to to help disciple people We need to get help for ourselves so that we can help others. And that's what it says in our banner here. This is what we do. We're here to develop Jesus' heart in you. It's what we do. We each come and learn that we may go and teach. That's one of the reasons you come to church, you read your Bible, you pray, you you get sanctified, you you stay with the process so that your life will will begin to reflect God's glory into someone else's life. You see how it all, all makes sense? Number seven, this is where we're going to spend the rest of the service. Turn your ship around. In the book of James, it says a a huge ship is steered by a little bitty rudder. And guess where your rudder is? (laughs) Oh, what a great forest fire. A little spark can kindle. And this thing is like a world, this is like a flamethrower. <laughs> you can burn up some folks with this thing, can't you? And just as we can burn up other folks with this thing, we, we burn up ourselves with this thing. We got to begin to speak differently over our lives. Christians are supposed to call those things which be not as though they were. That's what God did when God said, well, I don't see any light. He said, well, I want light. I'm going to speak light. Let there be light. There was no light. He spoke it into existence. Call those things which be not as though they were. But you're not just making up stuff. You're not God. You you don't have creative power in your tongue, but you can speak the word of God where there is creative power. You can speak God's promises where they are promises of God. And when you speak it out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What you believe, you will begin to speak. So develop your faith, and de- and the, the main way you do that, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Speak the word of God in your life, and begin to turn that ship that's headed for destruction. It may take a while for the big ships to turn, but that little rudder is what makes the difference. I'm still preaching real good. Stop saying, that's just the way I am. And speak a new word over your life. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4 says, Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. He chose you. And this is what he calls you to. But all the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ. I got to looking in the Bible. You probably heard this priest. I found and I think 194 scriptures that said in Christ, in God, in whom, through whom. Scriptures that tell us what we have, what the promises in our new covenant with Jesus Christ as Lord of our life, what they entail. And this one right here is a good place to start. Even before he made the world, he was thinking about you. God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy without fault in his eyes. That's what he chose. Say so you can't be holy. You're just looking at yourself. You've got to start speaking a new word. 1 John chapter 2, verse 6. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. 1 Corinthians 1.30 says, God has united you with Christ Jesus. For our benefit, God made him to be wisdom itself. Christ made us right with God. He made us pure and holy and he freed us from sin. You've been freed from that sin. You've been made pure and holy. Don't say that's just the way I am after you do some boneheaded mistake. Ephesians 2:10 says for we are God's masterpiece. You're not a mistake. He created us anew in Christ Jesus. Say, in Christ Jesus. Jesus. So that we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. He he placed us in Himself. Positionally, spiritually, we're already in Christ so that we can do good things. And we're still talking about that's just the way I am. Galatians 2.20 says, My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting the Son of God who loved me and gave His life for me. That's how I'm going to live. In Philippians 1, verse 13 says, No, dear brothers and sisters, Paul said, "I, I have not achieved it yet. Even Apostle Paul couldn't say that he had arrived. But I focus on this one thing. Forgetting the past. Somebody ought to say amen to that right there. How many of you would just like to forget the past and move on with a fresh, clean slate today? Well, if Jesus is your Lord, you, you can do that every day. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on. That requires my will, my strength. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. So I scanned through the hundred and ninety four scriptures that say in him, in Christ, in whom and I found I guess I'm not a English major, is it adjectives? Is that what it is when you describe something? You say, How did you get to be pastor? You ain't got in education. I don't. I just pressed on and stopped looking behind. One day, one foot in front of the other, one day at a time. God made me what I am. I am what I am by God's grace. And I don't even have to I don't think he's very concerned about my double negatives and and my inability to speak. Because when I'm weak, he is made strong. Because I'm not up here to to promote me. (laughs) And you can take that pressure off yourself. You're not trying to be holy so you can say, look at me. You're trying to be holy so you can reflect the glory of God. Here's some words, some adjectives. That I found in those 194 scriptures. And if you saw on your bulletin. uh, The pastor's challenges. If you want to you can email me after the service. Sometime next week. and, And ask me to send you a copy of these 194 scriptures. And it would be good for you to study those. Begin to develop. Your God nature. Begin to develop. Who God sees you as. The words we find is Triumphant. Alive, these are the promises in Christ. Forgiven, a child of God. One with Christ. We're raised up. We're joyful. As I read through these things, and as I begin to write them down, I, I, I saw each one of them. I'm like, there's no amount of money in this world that I would Exchange for any one of these things. We take these things for granted. Oh, these are just church words. He's just going through a list of church words. Will you please, for a moment, listen to the Word of God and listen to what God says and take it at face value. Joyful. Redeemed. Free. United. With him and with each other, wise. These are things in Christ. Righteous. You're right with God. Justified. Justified, never sinned. Adopted. Predestined. Faithful. Blessed. Heirs. Are you still listening? Heirs of God. You're going to let the devil talk you out of your inheritance? You're going to let the devil talk you out of your joy, out of your redemption, out of your freedom? That's just the way I am. Are you kidding me? Partakers of grace. Loved, graceful, saved, peaceful, fruitful, good, light, anointed, confident, not ashamed. Hopeful. Pure, accepted, strong, sealed, a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, established, strengthened, settled, enriched, having all things, having fellowship, bold, edified, increased, victorious, sons and daughters, capable conquerors. One with Him, empowered, reigning in this life. Called, sent, disciples, cheerful, healed, delivered, access to the Father, restful, given authority, protected, never alone. The mind of Christ, a special people, abiding in Him, Christ in us, having the hope of glory, and yes, sanctified and holy. That's just some of the things I jotted down this morning. <laughs> Study those 194. I don't want you to miss a one of those things in your life. Because you're going to need it. Don't say that's just the way I am unless you mean these. Turn that ship around. Everything can change for you in 2020. This is the first day of the rest of your life. Stop making excuses. Stop playing possum. Stop dragging Bernie around. Stand with Christ in Christ for the abundant life to which you were called. Philippians 1.6, and I'm closing. He said, I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day Jesus Christ returns. Long as you'll stay on that wheel, he'll be working. Long as you'll stop saying that's just the way I am and make an excuse, he'll be working. You ain't got to drag dead things around and poison your whole life. You can be free. You can run your race. Finish your course and hear, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. I made you ruler over little things and and you was faithful, so I'm going to make you ruler over much. Come on into the joy of the Lord, the things that were prepared for you. Receive your crowns. Thank you, Jesus.